It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 2-1 away win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, of course, playing Spurs. That puts Villa up to fourth place. We are a top four club, the big four, every uh, traditional six, whatever. We can now call Villa that even for one week. We might as well take the plaudits and enjoy it and rub some salt into those wounds of certain fan bases that we can think of and get annoyed by. But regardless of that, we're going to run through this one look at the greater context of all things Villa and just have a general chat. So join us for that. And of course we do have Mr. Simon O'Regan and Dom Phillips alongside me as well, but just a bit of admin first and foremost, and I should do this more and I always say this and I do it probably once a month, but wherever you're listening to this, of course, be sure to share it around, like it, subscribe, whether it's uh, Apple uh, Apple podcast, sorry, Acast, Spotify, uh, just wherever you're getting this podcast, it's always appreciated and all that good jazz. But nonetheless, enough with the admin. Simon, how's it going for you? It's not too bad, is it? I mean, I, I think I saw something early on today. Now, that's the first time around this stage of the season since 2009 that we've been back in the top four. And, uh, you know, I remember those days well. And it's just, it's just amazing to see see what's happening at, at Villa at the moment. Uh, you know, I said to you guys <clears throat> before we start recording that I, I was out in Cardiff last night feeling a little delicate, a little nervous about the game. But um, yeah, there's, it, if you ever need a hangover cure and you don't have a bacon sandwich to hand, another Aston Villa win is, uh, is, is always going to do the trick for you. Well, absolutely. It's uh, it's now what here for a little Unai Emery stat, of course. Aston Villa earned 77 points. And Unai Emery's first 38 games in charge, having just won only 44 points from the previous 38. So that's a, uh, to put something into context of uh, magical Unai, Lord Unai, um, <laughs> the son of Unai. I don't know how many prequels and sequels you can make out of that kind of meme. But regardless of that, of course, like I said, we do have Mr. Dom Phillips here as well. So Dom, how's it going for you, my friend? I'm good, Cole. All, all good, like Simon. A uh, bit of hangover cure villa for me today. Um and it worked for treat. Um, glad to hear it as for Simon. How are you? Oh, can't complain. You know, things go up, things go down. Life is life. But nonetheless, <laughs> of course, Villa make you happy. And that's all that matters. And we were talking, of course, guys, pre-recording. It's just kind of odd to see Villa doing this well, especially for my vintage joining around the end of the McLeish start of the Lambert era. I haven't seen many nice things. And Dom, I know you're younger as well. So um, Simon is the elder statesman here and he's seen, you know, what all the world wars and all that kind of conflict and had to live through some tough times. So we have to kind of put that in context and sympathy with him. But of course, all things Villa are coming up all good and all Unai Emery really. So let's dive into this one. And like I said, Aston Villa 2, Tottenham Hotspur one, of course, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso scoring in the 22nd minute for Spurs. 
One was called off, of course, for Ollie Watkins, literally 30 seconds to a minute after that for being offside. We could debate that all day, but it's probably not worth it because we know that VAR is just utterly useless at this point in time and probably going forward. But nonetheless, of course, uh, Luke, uh, sorry, Douglas Louise um, knocks one in neatly from a free kick for Pau Torres in extra time in the First half of play, a lovely finish there to make it one on. Of course, that man, Ollie Watkins, in the 61st minute from that man of late, Yuri Tillemans, to give Villa the lead. They held on. It could have been three all, literally 10 minutes into this game. Let's start there because I think maybe that's a good way to start this one. I mean, Dom, I I, I don't know if you call it a, a kamikaze start for both teams, but that first 10 minutes was pretty mental, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and initially I was quite nervous because it gave me memories of those Newcastle and Liverpool games from earlier in the season. And even Ledger of Warsaw to an extent where early on we're just getting peppered and it looks shaky. And there are moments where, you know, Martinez had a little formal with Conch on the touchline. And I was thinking little moments like that get you concerned as a fan. And you're thinking, given the results that we had earlier in this season that I talked about, as I said, like you're beginning to wonder if today's just not going to be our day. And then you know this game that was on. I don't know. I don't know how you guys felt about this, but I felt while Spurs have been really good this season, they've had a couple of defeats. They've obviously got so many players missed in the battles. Like we're never going to get a better chance to go to Tottenham and win uh, this season, at least. So I, I I thought we'd be expected to win this game, and based on the way we started, I was concerned that it was going to turn out like another Newcastle Liverpool game, but. Um, obviously, Pau Torres has that miss at the start for us, but then really it was just like Kulisevsky hit the post, didn't he? For Spurs, there was a, a couple of them, and I was just thinking, this is going to be a long afternoon. But then I think the big difference was, and I think we'll probably talk about this a little bit more, but I think the big difference between the, new, the Newcastle and Liverpool games, and while this isn't much of an achievement, I just felt like we actually defended better, like defended the box better. I thought that Diego Carlos had quite a good game, made a number of good interceptions when they tried to cover the ball back for example I just thought while we conceded a lot of chances we were a little bit lucky in some ways I thought we actually defended better um, than we have done which is encouraging because we've ch- we changed the back four again and still look like we could defend well so I think it was a good decision by Henry to play Carlos I thought he played really well yeah, absolutely. And Simon, I'll, I'll phrase this a little bit differently for you. Of course, Kanza coming in at right back, Matty Cash, uh, playing further forward as a, 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 I guess, a prototypical winger, right midfielder, whatever you want to call it. What did you make of that kind of lineup change with Carlos coming in, Cash further up? I mean, we've seen that kind of experimented, I guess you could say, a few times. Of course, Cash um, scored twice earlier on in the league season, and everyone is ranting and raving for him to play in that position more. But I mean, to really hone in for, on him for just a moment, it definitely wasn't his day probably on that pitch, you would say. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I, I think he could have scored after like 30 seconds, really. He completely mistimed his jump. And yeah, I don't really know how he managed to miss it. It was a really good ball in for Luka Dean, I thought. Um, in terms of the way that we actually lined up, I kind of was a little bit surprised if, if it was, say, Five that was five or six games ago when Spurs had a you know full team and they were right in the uh, sort of flow of things. I would have understood that more, but I just the amount of injuries that they had in there, I, I kind of I was a little bit surprised because that's kind of more of a defensive uh, move. I think you could probably say doing that, but then you know the away form has been a bit patchy. 
I personally think it's kind of been a bit over exaggerated in terms of people think like we're horrific away. Like we've had a couple of poor results, obviously, and uh, you know the heavy defeats at Newcastle on paper like clearly doesn't look good a five one loss. But there's you know there's quite a few mitigating circumstances. I think with that one, um, so yeah, I, I was kind of like a, a little bit surprised. And then the first half. I thought, you know, we were really poor, but it was more poor actually on on the ball. I mean, we didn't have much possession, but when we did get it, I thought the, the passing was really sloppy. And I thought the players were, were quite weak as well. Um, you know, they, they should have really expected Spurs to have come out pressing the way they did, because that's how that's what they've done all season. So it seemed like we were taken a little bit by surprise, which I, I didn't really see happening. But I was sort of like uh, chatting with my brother after the game. For all of Tottenham's possession in that first half, how many proper clear-cut chances did they actually create where they were onside? Like, the majority of their really good chances in that first half or, you know, good positions that they got into, the flag went up at, at, at the end of the move, you know, other than um, the Kulisewski one off, off the post. Other than that, I don't really remember in that first half and anything like properly clear cut. I, I think the doggy went through quite early and probably should have done better. Um, so, you know, they had one or two, but I, I thought we kind of defended reasonably well in the main. And you know, their goal for me that doesn't take that deflection. That's that's going straight into Martinez's arms. You know, it, it, it took a, a little nick for them to, to get their goal. Um, so yeah, the, the first half. It wasn't comfortable viewing, obviously, because they they have a lot of the ball, and there was a few times where we kind of got caught in possession quite close to our goal. But nothing, I don't think anything really came of it. And then, obviously, probably made, maybe five or six minutes or so before the half ended, I thought we we kind of got back into it a bit. Then um, we were getting ourselves into better positions and using the ball a bit wisely. Um, and I think had we gone in one nil down at half time. I would have been grateful that it was only one, but the fact we we managed to get that get that goal back um, so oh, so much to the quality of Douglas Louise because that that the ball in from that free kick was absolutely sensational. I thought. Oh, absolutely! And I think that's the thing too. Like, of course, Spurs aren't Man City, or maybe even the likes of Arsenal. They're going to press and press and press, but at some point, they're going to have to have a little bit more give and take. And especially with the amount of injuries, I can't remember exactly how many they they showed it, of course, on the screen. And it's I think it's easily over 10 or something like that in in terms of crucial players. Of course, Madison, um, amongst others, would be the most notable um, in terms of especially a creative aspect. But even touching on that high line and, of course, as Villa fans at this point, as a Villa fan, you have to be comfortable with it. And you have to kind of understand the fact that, okay, yeah, they're breaking through easily. But like you said so correctly, Simon, most of these are offside. And you just kind of have to almost trust in that process to know that the players are doing the right thing. And I, I think that's something that maybe some portions of the fan base, and sometimes it even plays with my eyes, and I think it's onside when it's really not. I know, I think, what, Sun Bended won in excellently, and it would have been 2-0, but it was actually decently offside. But it doesn't really, of course, the screen doesn't always... Um, show everything when you're watching on TV and even at times um, I'd imagine when you're at the game as well but I mean Dom to come back to you especially kind of going into halftime of course there was a a fair bit of extra time added on in the first half 
I mean, of course, it was kind of interesting to see Una Emery kind of take charge of that set set piece, tell Dougie what to do. Of course, he has one of the best deliveries in the league, if not, a, in my opinion, of all uh, world football at this moment in time. It's just unreal the way he's able to place things. I mean, just the precision, the confidence kind of not to be essentially too stressed out, overthinking things, not essentially thinking, okay, I'll just knock this in, I'll, I'll play it short, do whatever, just to have that composure to step up and deliver accurately where exactly he needed to. And of course, Partour as, as well to convert on that. That's just, it's a massive boost going into halftime, isn't it? This is the thing that's really useful. So, you know, firstly, what I'd say is when we talk about Douglas Louise, we're talking about a world-class central midfield player, not a defensive midfield player. Obviously, he is that. But even in his box-to-box play and his all-round game, he's just got everything. Um, you know, I really want to pay attention to that because if you compare him to the player that we had when we first signed him, like in his debut against Bournemouth at home, when he scored that worldie, equally John McGinn said in an interview afterwards that Louise didn't know what the phrase man on meant. And, you know, he was learning English, like, you know, he had a lot, he had a lot of difficulty. He wasn't getting a team under Gerard. And if he was, he was playing in a defensive midfield position as a, as a lone defensive midfielder in number six, and it didn't really suit him. But he's sort of come round now. He's obviously got to grips with English a long time ago. But and while he always had sort of like nice technical passes into his locker, what he does now is he just takes control of games and dictates the midfield. And then as you talk about his set piece delivery, which has steadily improved over time, obviously working with Austin McPhee as well. It's such a weapon to have in your locker when you're not playing well, isn't it? You know, when when the going gets a little bit tough, it's just like, you know, Douglas Louise is just going to get on a, on a free kick and he's either going to get at minimum a corner. And if he gets a corner, he might even score the corner. So, and then you see it, the ball for Torres. I mean, like the whip on it, the pace, the spin, literally everything is just perfect. He could literally put it on the needle, couldn't he? It's just the precision of that, as you say, the word that you used is incredible. And like as I said, when you have a tough half like we did in a game where we've not created loads, we've not had much ball. And it's just, while our high line's working well, for the most part, we still just look shaky in the atmospheres with Spurs. Having someone who can just do that from a set-piece situation, just in a situation where, as Simon said, I think 1-0 would have been very... If we'd have gotten at 1-0, I'd have been really happy. So to be able to go in at 1-1 because of that is just an absolute game-changer and... You know, it's a it's a world class midfielder, and it was such a good ball and a great header from Pai Torres too. Who, it's good to see us have a centre half who can get some set piece goals because he's had the one against Wolves and he's got this one now. So long may that continue. Well, exactly, and he could have had one earlier on, of course, in the first half as well. That header just went wide, and I mean, Simon, first and foremost, it's it's great to see Torres as a, as a central defender getting amongst the goals and showing that attacking. Prowess, but in games like this, high profile games, Super Sunday, as you want to call it, of course, um, for your traditional uh, top four, top six, whatever uh, the media wants to put it out there as Villa are in that limelight right now based on that performance. But when you have someone of his ability to step up and to have that composure, and you know what, the first one didn't go his way and go in, but to regain that and be basically essentially to have enough conviction to put that second attempt away. I mean, that shows a lot coming from a centre-back, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a side to his game that I didn't necessarily think he he sort of had in him. You, you, you look at the pairing of him and Diego Carlos, you probably 
suspect or expect Carlos to be the one getting on on the end of these deliveries. Um, but it was it was brilliant head. I mean, the first one, you know, even as a centre back, you, you probably look back at that and think, oh, no, I should be scoring there. You know, he had quite a quite a long time to to see the ball coming in. But you know, to, to sort of keep yourself going and and get yourself in there because I mean, as good as the delivery was, it was still a brilliant header as well. I mean, he he, he got some power on it, and, you know, kind of pretty much in the top corner as well. He's he's he's, he's quite easy to to sort of get those headers wrong and you know, send them over the bar. It's probably a more difficult chance than his first one, in all honesty. Um, but yeah, no, re- really good. I, I think. I've I've been really impressed with him actually. He obviously sort of had a, a bit of a I wouldn't say a shaky start. I think that would be unfair. But it, it wasn't like a, a smooth, seamless transition into the Premier League. But he was probably thrown in, I think, a, a lot quicker than he would have been expected to. And you know, I don't think he would have been yeah, I don't think he'd have come in initially as a centre back anyway. Um I've been mean, obviously the Ming's injury sort of changed that. But I, I think he's adapted actually really well to the Premier League. And for any sort of deficiencies or weaknesses, if you if you wanted to call that, which again, I, I think are probably a, a bit over-exaggerated, the sort of the payoff with him maybe not being the most physical of, of players compared to what he actually gives you on the ball and how having a centre back like like him is is absolutely vital to to the way that we want to play when, when we're on the ball and in possession, and you you know you kind of think with Ramsey and Moreno sort of back to fitness now, it, it, I would expect Torres's influence to grow even more with them too because of, of the pace that they have and and the runs that they will make. You know, Torres, if he's got a bit of time on the ball, he, he can pick a pass. And if he's got them two on, on the one wing and Darby Watkins up top, McGinn or Bailey sort of scooting around on, on the other wing, we've got options all over the pitch there. So, yeah, I thought it was another impressive performance from Torres today. Sort of a couple of times where maybe lost the ball a bit easily and they were Tottenham pressing well, but. You know, you're going to make the odd mistake here or there in the game, but sort of similar to. Uh, the point I was just making about is maybe not being as physical. The the weaknesses, if you wanted to call them that, for you know, uh, lack of a better word, are so minimal, I think, compared to the positive aspects of his game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Dom, to throw this back your way, of course, heading into the second half of play, I think it wasn't really shocking to see Matty Cash go off, uh, replaced by Leon Bailey on the right, of course, and Diaby as well was a little bit frustrated in that first half, really couldn't get much going, was closed down very quickly. Yuri Tillemans comes on, and we'll speak about him now because I, I think it's so important because you look at Yuri Tillemans in terms of his performances in Europe and now just starting to come within the league for Villa as well. Again, it's just another reason, of course, setting up this Watkins goal. And to be fair to Watkins, he still had plenty to do and have to have that conviction and composure to put it away to give a, the lead an eventual win. But, I mean, just speak about Yuri Tillemans. I mean, the man, when he's given the opportunity now, he's just showing up. And he's not only taking it, he's running away with it, isn't he? He is. Um, he deserves massive plaudits. And I actually want to use that quickly before I talk about Tielemans to make a point about DRB and the subs at halftime. So I think this is really interesting, right? So we talk about players adapting to the Premier League, and this is really relevant for Pau Torres as well, in that if you call his start shaky, you know, he's 
I think he's gradually developed since then. He's as his adaptation has been in a in a linear sort of straight upwards way in terms of how he's improved, right? Tielemans in his first probably game or so, he looked okay. And then afterwards it just he didn't look right at all. There was all the media getting on him a little bit, which was I think a little bit overblown. But he he his performance level definitely dipped and now it's just rocketed up. Um and then Diaby, I think I think he's on a similar curve. Um, to Tielemans, I think that Diaby's going to explode. Um, you know, obviously we talk about their halftime changes, which we'll get to more, but which are really, really uh, good for Emery. Um, Cash was pretty much walking on eggshells, and it was it, if he had committed one more foul, he would have gone. So you couldn't keep him on, and um, Diaby just didn't just had another off today. We just had a couple in the, in the last few games, but as I say, I think he's gonna he's gonna come through. But with Yuri Tielemans, obviously look at the team sheet. As we said, like it was, you know, for some people it's a bit strange, like the whole cash on the right wing thing dropping Yuri Tielemans. But the thing is, I think Emery's done that in a number of recent away games. He did it at Forest, he did it at Wolves, and he did it at Burnley, the three that stick out in my head. And at Burnley, it did work. It worked brilliantly. Whereas at Forest and Wolves, it definitely didn't work. And we looked a little bit stunted when we went to go and score goals. And bringing on Bailey today changed that. And obviously Tielemans as well as what Emery said in the post game is the pass from the runner. Um, so that is I, what I'm what I'm trying to get at here is that I'm not sure how many more times we'll see um, Cash out on the wing because I I just don't think he offers that same kind of attacking dynamism that a Bailey or a Tielemans offer because you know talking about Tielemans as you asked like he remind he just he reminds me of Douglas Louise in this but a bit further forward in that he just takes control of, of the ball. Whenever whenever we're in the final third and Yuri Tielemans is playing in that attacking midfield role, which he looks so versatile as well, by the way, he always seems to be the player who's, who wants the ball played into him so that then he can play the little assist to Watkins. That He has perfectly wasted passes. It's almost like Buendia, but I, I think he's probably even a better passer of the ball with his, with his final ball and his final delivery for the, for the setup. It's brilliant. It's really, really good. And to see him, you know, come back from that criticism, which was over the top in my view, um, and prove that he's another player who should be starting. We've got probably 14 or 15 players who all have claimed claim to be starting. So the manager must have a bit of a headache. But yeah, he, he, he was fantastic. Um, he's been fantastic all of the recent games. And I mean, with the suspension... We'll get into the suspension stuff, but I think he's definitely going to start next Sunday against Bournemouth now, and um, he deserves it because he's been fantastic recently. Hundred percent, and I mean Simon, I'll come back to you with this. I mean, you look at the likes of Tillman's, of course, Bailey coming off the bench. I think one big criticism of that I can remember hearing from Tillman's at Leicester was a lot of their fans saying he doesn't have the pace or the legs and gases out quickly, things like that. But he can come in so clutch. You look at Liam Bailey, of course, in his Villa career over a few seasons now, and there's, it's been plagued with injuries and inconsistencies, and we all know that. We don't really have to beat that horse to, uh, I guess, more than the six feet it's already under at this point in terms of that topic. But look at the rotation of how certain players are playing that have either been here for a while or just have really come in. It's fair to say, isn't it, that this rotation, even in small tactical tweaks when it's one or two a week or here and there, that's really benefiting those two in particular, but players just like that, isn't it? Because it's that freshness. It's, it's knowing that you don't have to play every single week to maintain Villa's momentum right now. And I think if we even look back to the season where Villa finished, um, was it 11th 
uh, not too long ago, a couple seasons ago. One of the biggest gripes then, of course, was depth and the frustration about injuries and, of course, not really being able to maintain that momentum. And that's kind of the biggest kind of, I guess, comparison I can make in terms of change in depth. It's just been so crucial that we've really kind of developed upon this path. Is it? I hope that makes sense, at least. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing though with, with the, the squad that we've got and the, the options that we're bringing off the bench I mean today you look you're bringing Bayern in Tiedemann's on a half time you've got Ramsey coming on as well it's it's been able to to change personnel in the starting line up without dropping the quality which if, if you want to be challenging at, at sort of the top end of, of the table and you know challenging for, for trophies that's what you need and you know, we've kind of said that for years it, it, it's got not rocket science, but it's it's one of those that it needs not just an adaptation from sort of players as well, but but fans in, in some cases. So I remember when we I think we did the pod not long after Tiedemans came in, and you kind of you saw like a lot of stuff online going after who's he going to replace Sal Louise or Kamara, and it's, like, it's it's not a case of you sign someone to someone immediately drops out. There's there's a lot of games, and obviously we're going into a period now where we, we play so you know a, quite a few games in a short space of time. So you need you need to have options that that you can change the team around, but not sort of drop that quality as you mentioned. And, and also, I think with the way the sort of the games changed in the last few years with five substitutions now, the the, kind of, the idea of your your first choice eleven. It, at the, sort of the, the higher end of, of the league with the better squads, that doesn't really exist anymore. I don't think there is there is a, a sort of a place in the game now for for people who may not necessarily start the game, but they know that they will be brought on at some stage, to sort of to, to finish the game off. And you can, I think, if, if a player can get their head around that idea that just because they haven't started the game, that doesn't mean that the manager doesn't rate them and there, there is still, still a role for them. And I think it might have been in the summer or just before the end of last season, I saw a little clip. I think it was Leon Bailey um, who's been asked about Emery. And he made a point. It, it, it was along the lines of, he, he said himself, even if, if you're one of the players who's not starting the game, Emery sort of makes everyone in the squad feel so involved and you know, makes everyone feel like they are important to the team and it's, it's not like you're on the bench because I don't like you. It's I've got a specific plan for this game and this is what your role will be in this game. So it's it, it's what the top teams do. You know, you look at Man City, obviously we've, we've still got quite a bit of a way to go before we reach their level. Though having said that, we beat Bournemouth next week, then that's the top of the table class when we play them. But like you look at them, other than sort of maybe four, four or five players that you would nail on in their in their team for the bigger games, then they've got so many options in, in those different positions. And, and that's that's the level that you should be aspiring to. And and that's kind of where we're going at the moment. Well, that's the thing too. Like I find when you well, I mean, when things are going well for your football club. You can look at certain moments and things and say X, Y, and Z didn't work out, and that's the reason. But when you are where Villa are right now, sitting in the top four, having a fantastic start to the season, I mean, you look at 
for example, Dougie Luis stepping up uh, at, a, at a free kick and putting it on a dime. You look at Emmy Martinez making those saves. It's just, it's the little moments that, of course, you can add a, a little bit of luck as well. Like we've kind of referenced and everyone that's probably seen the game as well. We are fortunate at times in the first half as well not to concede more. But there's just so much going right. There's so much confidence within this team. I mean, Dom, it's just, it feels like at this rate, it's just never going to stop. I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think you are wrong because the calendar year unfortunately ended about a month's time and I'm I'm wishing that 2023 doesn't end. You know, we were talking about it a little bit before the pod, weren't we? Like the whole like 22 wins in the calendar year record and, you know, he's managed 38 Prem games for us now, Emery has, and it's, it's 77 points which, you know, is an insane total. Um, but you're right. And, you know, it, the thing is, results like today really do make you feel like we haven't just had a good start to the season. Like, this actually could just be something more consistent than that. And I think most Villa fans always felt that way. Like, we knew, like, this wasn't just a flash in the pan. Being fifth was never just a flash in the pan. But I think some neutrals did, some people in the media might have done as well. And, and I think those perceptions are starting to be eroded now because, I mean, again, results like today, I know that Tottenham have absences, but it's a tough place to go. And to have the character to make the adaptations mid-game, the substitutions, the tactical changes, come away with the win 2-1, you know, having not been at your best in some ways, but knowing that you've got players like Jacob Ramsey and Alex Moreno, who, you know, we've been scoring so many goals, but they were two of our biggest attacking outlets under Emery last year, and they're coming back now. You know, and as Simon alluded to, the options that Pau Torres is going to have in possession now with them two is, well, I mean, it's frightening for others. I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, there's not really much that we can say. I feel like being a Villa fan at the moment and talking about the club on a podcast or in an article or whatever, it's just drowning in superlatives and just saying like, we're amazing. Emery's amazing. All of the players are brilliant. I love them all. But to be honest, it's just true. You know, we've, we've endured some, some really tough times we've had some brilliant times obviously in the past but we've not had loads to cheer about for a while really and now we're building a team that are brilliant to watch under a manager that just gets it he's a top manager and um winning games and fit really bringing a sense of character and class and identity to this villa team that make you really proud to be supportive of them on the pitch so long may it continue because this is just an incredible ride Absolutely. And the one thing I, I find it humorous because it's not true, but you know that this football club is going in a very good direction. 
when it seems like after every game now a different player is being linked with United or Arsenal or something in the media for lady or for lazy journalism's sake to get a, f- a few clicks and typically that's because they're doing very well in media things of course they shouldn't be at Villa if they're doing this well but Una Emery has proven again and again that Villa I, I don't want to say they are the exception but they are starting to set a standard and that standard is is that they have the potential to be comfortably a top six side, especially under him. I mean, let's see how long this goes. And maybe at the end of December, we'll be talking a little bit differently. But I, I think it's one of those things, too, as Villa fans, we have to enjoy it. Like, we've said it a million times before. We did, of course, podcast during uh, Project Restart when Villa stayed up. Just said, just enjoy the summer. Just enjoy us staying here. When we were 11th, we were all happy because it wasn't even anywhere near relegation. And we could just have that kind of uh, a ho-hum kind of happy-go-lucky season. The next season, not so much. And then really since Una Emery's come in, it's just, it's been a breath of fresh air. But here's a little bit of a a question, a quiz question for you two. What do the likes of Una Emery and Brian Little have in common? There's there's one fact that I found, and what do you think it is? They both walk on water. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say that. But Dom, do you have any guesses? Is it sorry? I don't mean to like. Is it like a stat, or you're not going to tell me? It's a it's a stat. It's a stat. Is it like is it away wins something like that? So the only two Aston Villa managers to win back to back Premier League away games against Tottenham Hotspur are Brian Little and Unai Emery. I'm taking that. I'm claiming that. I'm I'm, I'm claiming that. (laughs) I would like to thank, uh, of course, uh, Villa Stato on Twitter for using that one. So thanks for the quiz question, Stato. It's always appreciated. Uh, But nonetheless, it's it's crazy to think because, I mean, you think how long ago that was and to consider it's taken that long to even match something like that and think of times against Spurs where we've come close and it just didn't come off or times where we just got absolutely obliterated and didn't have a chance. It's 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 crazy to see because, I mean, like you guys have kind of briefly mentioned, now you have Ramsey coming back, Moreno's on the bench, John Duran's on the bench. I mean, Simon, it's just, I, I mean, all we need now is another Tyro Mings update in like five minutes to say he's <laughs> magically healed overnight. I mean, Bundia's floating on water and they're both healed and we have a fully fit squad. I mean, it's just, it's slowly coming together there. And it's just, it's making Villa's bid for... I'm going to say a top four finish, even more realistic at that point, this point, you can say yes or no, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, hand the floor over to you. I'd agree with you. Um, you know, the, the, the start that we had to the season with four uh, first team players of last season missing, it's, it, it was ridiculous. And I, I think that win today, even though Spurs, do have a, a few injuries as the uh, the media love to remind us of at every possible opportunity. Like they're the only team that have had any injuries. Um, but that, that, that's just something I've got a little gripe here for going off topic on, on that one. Um, so that that win today though, and you know jumping above them, getting yourself into the top four, we're thirds of the way through the season now. Um, it's this isn't just a a, a good start after four or five games. This is a, it's a decent sample size of this season, but also the you know, the calendar year, uh, the, the the actual twelve months Emery's been in charge. It's it's a long enough period now where where you go. This isn't a, a flash in the pan type thing. Like 
we are we are a really good team, which still just gonna feel a bit weird to say after places we've been in the last twelve, thirteen years or so. And just yeah, getting Ramsey and Moreno back, uh Diego Carlos is looking a bit bit more durable and that I know he went down down today, but I, I think that was just uh some Emmy Martinez inspired shit houseery rubbing off and Carlos there. Um, yeah, he's you know, kind of, as I say, looking a bit more durable and, and, and doing well in the games. Tiedemans looks like he's up to speed. Bailey looks fitter uh, this season than he had in, in, in the previous few years. And you're sort of seeing that there's a decent player there. I see, I, I, yeah, I think a top four finish is, it, it will still be difficult and we will have challenges at, at, at points throughout the season. But it's, it's there, definitely. I mean, the, the top three... I, I don't see that changing much from, from what it is now of, of City, Liverpool and Arsenal. But then after that, I, I, I think it's open. You know, Manu, and their fans like to point out that they're the most informed team in the league, apparently. But, you know, the opposition they've had hasn't been great. They're, they're, they're still one game away from being punched back into crisis. Chelsea, um, I, I think there's so much work to do there. And, and even Tottenham, you know, they, yeah, they had a really, really good start to the season. And okay, they've got a few injuries now. But they're only one or two injuries away from sort of going off. So there's, there's, there is a real opportunity for a number of teams to to get themselves into the top four. And as well, of course, this season, fifth will probably more than likely be enough to, to get Champions League football for next season. So there's, there's a real, real opportunity. And I think Thursday night's, now get against Warsaw, so just jumping ahead. That's a massive one. Say if you can win that by two goals, I think that guarantees top spot. I think unless something mental happens in in some of the other games, and if you can do that, then you don't have to think about Europe until March. Then and the next few months, you can we can really, really sort of make a, a real go of, of this season. And it just it just feels like there's there's something really special building up. Oh, 100%. And it's kind of interesting to think about now, but I, I know we can look at Moussa Diaby coming off at halftime and thinking he's just had a terrible game or it's not coming off and yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, Dom, could this just be a Unai Emery masterclass, resting him for a Warsaw, knowing that he doesn't have to kind of come on later on to hopefully save the day? I mean, it, it just, now that I think about that game, how important that is, 45 minutes of rest, no risk of injuries. I mean, there's a few other players that probably have played a little bit more than you would like to, but I, I just think there's so much positivity, not only heading into this game, but going into a very tough schedule. We all know that at the end of December, this is going to have a good idea where Villa may stand. But I mean, just heading into it, how are you feeling about this kind of crazy fixture congestion? Better than I've ever felt about it since we've come up for the simple reason that, as I've said, we have 14, 15 players that are good enough to start. Having the players coming back now and having it like a couple of games on the ledge year game, as you say, is a really big game for a couple of players to get some more rhythm and some more minutes into their legs. But obviously the options that we have at the back now and the tactical changes that we have, obviously Ramsey Moreno coming back is the big one. But T. Lemon's playing better. You know, Kamara is someone who I think is essential for us, but it's feasible for us to not have to play him every single game now. Um, Louise and Tielemans, obviously Dan Donker and Irabuna are in the figure as well. Um, but, you know, Diaby, 
Zaniolo, Bailey, uh, Duran, obviously, who I still think has got has got a lot of quality and and he played well when he came on. Um, even though his job was just the time wasted, he did it quite well. Um, Langley, you know, all of the obviously Dina and Moreno, all of these players that I'm listing that we've got um, mean that we can we can chop and change, but you know that we're still going to mostly play. We're going to play like Villa. Like there'll be a couple of tweaks, like when the personnel change started and that happens. But we look like we're well rehearsed, we're well practiced, and you know that's one thing you can say about Unai Emery. He's he's very detail oriented, and there is no way that a Villa team is going to go out and look like they don't know what the plan is, which I thought we did for about a year under Stephen Gerrard. Um, and it it's amazing uh, in terms of, in terms of the rest of the season as well. As I say, I don't think this is a flash in the pan. Um, I think barring any touch wood, barring any like more injury disasters or, you know, weird things that might happen in the world of football. It's obviously a third of the way there's two thirds still to go. You're looking at a team now who should be winning the conference league as we already knew that, but looking at a team that, as Simon said, I think the top three is set. And after that, I think it's anyone's game. And at the moment it's Villa's, you know, we talk about like the way Brighton have dropped a few points uh, they haven't won. No, they won. They won the other day. That was their first win in the Premier League since September. You know, and I look at that and I say, if you think about how close we were to getting Europa League last year, if that result at Liverpool had gone differently, for instance, it could be the same this year to the extent where all of the points that we're getting now, even if it's two or three more points than your Newcastles and your Brightons and uh, Chelsea's, Tottenham's, whoever else is around us for that fourth and fifth spot. Those points will add up, add up at the end of the season. There's still a long way to go and we'll, we will drop points and we'll have disappointing performances yet to come and stuff like that. But every point that we get is going to be essential because the way it is now, it's to three and then it's going to be really close. So being in a rich vein of form now and being able to hopefully carry that momentum into a really you know taxing December period, as you say, but one that we're going into with a really well-rounded squad, feeling confident, um, as you say, in a month's time, we could be in a really, really, really good position. And it's just really exciting because I just want to keep what I just, I'm just enjoying it because it's just a magical, it just does feel like a magical season where the fates are with us or something. I've I got that feeling today with the win. I thought it just felt like something special is going to happen. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's what football's about at the end of the day. You have to enjoy it. And there's no reason for Villa fans not to. And, it's kind of interesting as well, guys, because you sit there and you look at it and you think all oh, the pressure's on Villa to maintain this. And that's what the mass media is going to put out there. But this is Villa putting the pressure on, in my eyes, Liverpool, Arsenal, City, um, teams below them to keep up the pace, your Newcastles, your Man Uniteds, et cetera, et cetera, Spurs. As much as it's Villa's task to do that, there's just as much pressure on these teams as well. And I think that kind of mentality has to start kind of working into Villa fans' minds a little bit more. Because I always feel like it's, in my opinion, enjoy it while it lasts and we'll see what happens. And I'll sometimes promote that as well. But, I mean, the more the time goes on, it's I believe in this side. There's things that can be done and are being done. And there's no reason we can't kind of keep pushing that issue. And it's kind of interesting when you look at the likes of City who have, I think, Leipzig and then uh, Spurs before they play us. And I think Arsenal have Lens and then Wolves and then I think Luton before they play us. You can maybe write off the Luton one fair enough. They're, they still have to compete actively in the Champions League. 
Wolves have proven that they can challenge the very best this season in terms of probably the top eight and kept it very, very close and got points off those sides. So I'm not writing off the Bournemouth game and say we're going to win that because we know how Villa play against Bournemouth. It's, I, I'm terrified because for some reason it's just one of those things we seem we can't figure out consistently. But there has to be a conversation at some point, Simon, going into post-Bournemouth. And I don't want to put this out there as we're going to win and we sound arrogant, but there, in my mind, there's such a good opportunity there to push even further up, even if it's for a week. And the reason I'm bringing it up and kind of want your opinion on this is because, like Dom's mentioned, and we've discussed this in previous podcasts before, but the uh, the fixture congestion, especially in December, but it's so crucial to kind of take points heading into this before it gets kind of too crazy because we know there might be a lull. There's a lull for the best teams, but it has to be kind of about managing those games and maximizing the opportunity, isn't it? I know that's obvious to say, but I think it's worth discussing. Yeah, I mean, I think you and me uh, might have been after the Fulham game. We kind of had a, a similar discussion on, on this, didn't we? And it, it's it's not just the case of getting the points in the bag. So you've got like a security blanket if, you know, you have a, a dodgy result or two. But it, it's, it's going into that double header, uh, especially against City and Arsenal, in a really good run of form as well and, and with real good confidence. Um you know, Bournemouth next week, yeah, it's you, you can't go into that sort of thinking it's a given that, that you're gonna go and win there. But but it's a game that I would I would expect us to, to go and win. Um, whether we do or not, we'll wait and see because I expect us to go and beat Forest as well. And we know what happened there. So it's it yeah, it's it's not a given, you can't just dismiss it. But if you can go and win that, like I said earlier, then that Man City game. It becomes a top of the table clash, where there's there's kind of no pressure on on Villa. I think from the outside, obviously, in, in those games, and and even in terms of mounting the you know challenge for a top four, top five, there's I don't know how much pressure we'll have put on us from sort of outside sources because I I get the feeling that sort of a lot of the pundits in the media still don't really know much about us or or follow us too closely and, and we'll just expect us to fall away. But the pressure is already there f- from the manager. You know, Emery from day one demands excellence from these players, demands improvement constantly. So you know they they're already getting that and they're already showing that they're able to cope with, with demands like that. So it's it's a period where yeah there's there's a lot of games and they're not all going to be perfect. There, there is, you know, going to likely be at least one, if, if not two, maybe even three slip-ups along the way in, in this run in December. But also, you, you kind of, for me, I, I'm i going into there with excitement. It, it shouldn't be a period, I think, going into it with, with any nerves. You know, look what we've done already this season. We've had an excellent start to the year, our home record. Is ridiculous as, as we've talked about on on many occasions, and that double header against City and Arsenal. I, I think I said uh, to you after that Fulham game. I don't nec- I'm not necessarily saying that we'll win either of those games, but I don't. I genuinely don't think that we will lose both. I, I think we will pick up something in at least one of those games, if not both. You know, this Man City is a tough game, but they're there to be gone at. You know. Chelsea put four past them. Obviously, 
they can see any four as well because you open yourself up and, and City are a really, really good team. But you're going into that game, probably the best chance in the last, what, 10 years that, that will have had of, of beating Man City going into like In terms of the confidence and the ability that we've got, there's there's a real opportunity for us. And yeah, the, if you can get that win against Bournemouth next week as well, it just it puts you in such a good position. The the you know it's a Wednesday night, isn't it? So the crowd would be absolutely on fire going into that game, uh, especially if you, if you get that that win against Bournemouth and a good result on Thursday. So it's a period to look forward to for me. Well, yeah, I mean, Dom, just to come to you quickly. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting because especially the way the media puts it and maybe other fan groups will put it anytime Villa has traditionally played the likes of City Arsenal. It's, oh, you know what? They'll pose the question in a very soft tone spoken way of, oh, well, maybe Villa will surprise them. Almost just kind of put a little kind of cute touch to give, I don't know, some kind of fake optimism or put the question out there. That way, if it does somehow happen then they have something to really go off of as saying they're almost right or something. But regardless of that, it's it's interesting because this is Villa putting pressure on them from the sense that if they drop points to us, it's benefiting us. And it's not benefiting us in the mid-table, lower half, just to stay up. It's benefiting us to compete with them. And I think, you know what, the likes of City with Pep or Arsenal with Arteta, they might say it's no big deal or whatever, but behind closed doors and not to even focus on that, but just to press kind of the whole month ahead or so going against teams like that, they can say whatever in the public, but they're going to be saying behind, behind closed doors that there is pressure and there is much higher expectation against Villa. And that's only a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, because it, it's, it, it works both ways, doesn't it? You know, we view these as a, as a big game for us now because everything that they do matters to us and it's, and it's vice versa. Everything that we do matters to them, you know, whether we end up where we are now or we fall off or whatever happens, you know, right now we matter to them. Right now we're in that race. And that's the way these top teams think. In terms of like the attitude and approach for the two games, I'm going to put a very Villa, you know, very biased spin on this, but why not? Look at the Arsenal game last year. We should have won that game, the 4-2 game. We should have won that game. Like we, we had some, you know, Arsenal second half were really good, but I felt like given the way we got into the lead, um, we should have we should have ended up winning that game from where we were. And you know, the Man City game, um, we've we've always, you know, since that like five, six nil, whatever it was, we've always played well against City at home. We got a draw, didn't we think Bailey scored, or you know, we narrowly lose, we look good, and it's often in a night game as well. And I think we I think I just think we'd do a win against them because we haven't won against them obviously since we come up. Um famously the one where they won the league on the last day sticks out in memory and I look at the Arsenal game and I think we've improved since then massively and if I'm being completely honest I don't think Arsenal have improved since then um, I know that they've started the season well in terms of points but in terms of their performances you know people talk about United being on a good run yeah but they're perf- if you're watching them I don't think they're playing very well um, both in the use both in the Champions League and domestically so, you know, to be biased for a minute and put a bit of a spin on it, I would genuinely say that I think we're in better positions for those games than we ever have been. And we we do a couple of good performances. We're coming into it in the best position we could possibly come in for it. So why not? You know, under Emery, I think, you know, the sky's the limit. We can beat these teams. 
we can compete with these teams in leagues, we can compete with these teams in, in cup competitions. When you have a manager that good, <laughs> simply, um, you, you can do anything. And I think that belief is something that he has instilled in the players and it's something that they will carry into those games, especially, as Simon said, that Man City night game. Oh, that is going to be something, that atmosphere, isn't it? It's going to, it's going to be amazing. And, and we're going to look at that as a real opportunity to say to those people who haven't got onto the Villa bandwagon yet, why, why aren't you? Um, this is our chance to sort of prove that we can get in this top four and why not? Because the way we're playing and the results that we're getting and the, and the improvements that we're making and the lessons that we're learning and the journey that we're going on feels like we're only going in one direction. That's up. So I'm, I can't wait for those games, to be honest now. I used to dread them, but now I can't wait because I just get the feeling we're going to win, man. <laughs> well, these are the do you want to bet against us moments, I guess you could put that kind of phrase out there. And for me, like I've kind of said before, you can say just enjoy it and see what happens. And that's true. But honestly, heading into this month, and I wasn't even feeling this way pre-Fulham, but it's okay to go into these games in this fixture run that's so crazy and have expectations now. And I, I'm fully on board with it because I know Unai Emery will so excellently kind of brush it off and kind of say from his perspective with the players, he's expecting maybe to, I don't know, maybe not the degree that fans are expecting or hoping for. But you know behind closed doors it's probably a little bit more different because, of course, he de demands excellence, and that's very much obvious. But, I mean, when you look at the December fixture list and as hectic as it can be, you also have to think about, about Villa, of course, in terms of the depth perspective. We've already covered that, so I won't really discuss it too much. But the players coming back, the way that we've already managed it in my opinion, very, very well with the issues that we've had this season. I mean, Luca Dean literally playing every game at left back, it basically feels like you, you look at the center backs having a few questions in terms of who plays with who once we lost Mings. Of course, when Dia the start of the season, Ramsey kind of being in and out, hopefully now back for the remainder of the season, kind of knock on wood, touch wood, whatever, with that one. I, I think there's been so many controversies off the pitch in terms of injuries and we battle through that. And I, I just feel like heading into all these games, there's there's every reason that Villa go into it with full optimism and full belief that they can pull something out. Whether it happens or not, like I said, is, is a different thing. But nonetheless, I think that is a good way to leave this one, of course. And just to have everyone a little bit more admin here at the end, um, I know it's going to be crazy. Villa, it feels like they're going to play every three days, eight, three or four days here for the next month or so so of course as a podcast we will do our very best to have as many games covered right after at least the kind of going into the next morning to get content out there uh, if not we'll group some games together we'll make more of a summary we'll do our very best um so i just want to put that note out there and i'll mention that kind of more so heading in probably to the start of december post warsaw on the thursday maybe after a friday pod you guys will hear that but nonetheless i hope everyone enjoys this one and has listened of course shared around show your support uh tweet us message on facebook to let us know you've got this far it's always appreciated i had one guy um and if he's listening i do apologize i can't remember his name reach out on linkedin and share how much he enjoyed the podcast and he listened to the full full of one because he uh, mentioned something that happened at the very end 
So it's always good to hear that support. But of course, thank you to Mr. Simon O'Regan for joining me and Mr. Dom Phillips too. You can find, of course, Simon on Twitter at Cy O'Regan. Dom's is Dom Phillips O2. Of course, you can tweet me at Talk Aston Villa as well. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. Email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. And of course, check out the website www.7500toholt.espionation.com. And if you want to have anything written content-wise sent over there, of course, you can, of course, email us, 7500toholtmain at gmail.com as well. But anyways, we'll leave it there. We should be back after the Wausau game. But anyways, like I said, um, just enjoy it. Villa are absolutely brilliant. And hopefully more Villa goodness awaits us. But yeah, we'll leave it there. Don't forget, up the Villa. We're going up, we're going up.